0: Assalamu welcome everyone. Welcome to the Muslim Philanthropy Podcast. My name is Muhi Khwaja, and I'm the co-founder of the American Muslim Community Foundation. Uh, today on the show, we have with us Khaled Al-Ghuali. He's chiming in from Canada up north. So welcome to the show, Khaled. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so, you know, we'll get into all of the reasons um, why you have a donor advice fund at the American Muslim Community Foundation. Uh, but before we get to that, obviously just want to get to know you. Um, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit more about your background, where you grew up and, uh, what you do. Sure. Um, my
1: background is yeah, well, Canadian, um, Egyptian Canadian. Um, I was born in Edmonton, Ontario, sorry, Edmonton, Alberta, which is, um, quite a ways from here and, and moved to Ontario about 25, 30 years ago. Um, grew up most mostly in in London, Ontario, um, and uh, have spent some time in the United States and in Toronto and in a place close to Ottawa, which is where I'm based right now. Um, my background professionally, I've worked in finance and I've worked in manufacturing, construction, and I've been interested in Islamic finance and trying to bridge the gap between um, conventional finance and Real estate at this point in time. So that's kind of where where I'm at professionally. Um and uh yeah, I guess that's kind of a me in a nutshell.
0: Great. I appreciate you sharing. Um tell us a little bit more about um growing up in Edmonton and um what it was like for uh Egyptian Muslim Canadian.
1: Um Edmonton is cold.
0: <laughs> Yeah, the, the, right. The the days are very
1: short, and you get used to minus forty, uh, minus forty degree weather. That's Celsius. Um, I don't know what that translates to in Fahrenheit, but it's very, very cold. Um, but I mean, I grew up in the glory days of Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers. So when when Wayne Gretzky was playing out there, um, and it was, uh, it, I mean, I was there as long as the hockey was good. I like to put it. So when when Edmonton was winning, I was I was fortunate enough to be there. Um, and then in the early nineties. Uh, after Mark Messier left, that's when we we kind of left and went to Ontario, moved to Ontario. So that's kind yeah. of uh, that was my experience in, in Alberta was very good. Uh, we mm-hmm. Called the city of Champions when we were growing
0: up. Your your luck didn't transfer over to the Maple Leafs, huh?
1: No, not at all.
0: <laughs> I, I'm
1: not I'm not a Leafs fan. Let's just put it that way.
0: Fair. And and growing up and being raised in Detroit, um, I can't say I'm a Leafs fan either. So (laughs) Good. Um, And then in regards to just like where you went to school uh, and then how did you get into finance as a career? Sure. I started off,
1: um, I went to Western, University of Western Ontario, and I started off in a program. uh, It was a kinesiology sciences program. So it's kind of like a I told people I, I was studying to be a gym teacher. Um so but but you know we we did a lot of science you know scientific courses of course so you're doing anatomy and physiology and and the the the, the story behind that is you know you tell the parents uh oh, this is my my way to medicine. Uh I'm going to take all these courses and eventually get to med school and I think most parents from our background you know the expectation is at least the family expectation is you know you're going to get into engineering or medicine that's what you're going to do. And um so we started that way but but then we, you know, second year university, I started a business with um, with my brother and some some classmates, and then after my third year, I actually I left school, and started a consulting company with my brother and some of our our colleagues, and we ran that for a couple of years, and I eventually came back to school to finish my fourth year, and I got into the business school here, so it's um, Western's business school is i think it's the oldest business school in canada it's called the richard Ivey school of business i did my mba there and um i summered at an investment bank or a boutique investment bank in in, in new york city and then um eventually went back there and worked with them until right before the financial crisis so 2008 summer 2008 i kind of realized things were looking bad and in the back of my mind i thought you know, things in in Toronto usually lag, whatever's happening in New York. So if things are starting to look bad in New York, if I got back to Toronto, I could probably find something stable and just uh, stay there. And that's essentially what happened. So I kind of left around June, July um, 2008, and um, I started working for a pension fund in November. And I was interviewing when the stock market was down like a thousand points. I remember that. So it was kind of an interesting experience and the next Four years I spent working for a pension fund in Toronto, uh, on the buy side. So that's, um, that was my experience working in in finance, um, up till, say, 2011, and, and then I kind of parted ways with the pension fund and started working on, sort of Islamic finance related projects, and there was a there was a. Uh, one of my former colleagues at the pension fund, who was a portfolio manager, he had started own hedge fund, and we tried to do what we tried to do is we tried to start a Sharia compliant fund, and I worked with him for a couple of years, and then that just did, it didn't it didn't work out. and And during that time, I was out in Qatar. I was talking to some people out there trying to raise money, and I talked to some people who actually had some background who were um, more academic backgrounds in Islamic finance. And Said so, you know you should really get into if if you struggle getting into doing something finance-related, you really should be looking at something in industry. Um, And and while while I was out there, I kind of realized that in this business, at least in the Muslim community, we kind of tend to look at stocks as, you know, we look at the market as a casino almost. And a lot of the interest really was in real estate because people kind of like hard assets, right? And so that's kind of where i started to turn my attention to was looking at how do you securitize an asset i had some background working in the pension funds i had some back background working in debt products i was not happy to be in debt at the time which is part of the reason why i left um but but i got exposure to debt products and you look at sukuk which are the islamic um islamic bond type products mm-hmm. it would look just like they look just like securitized products. Stuff that we were looking at in debt, they're almost exactly the same. There's some changes, of course, to make them Sharia compliant. But having had that exposure, you kind of look at the Sukuk so products and saying, ah, you can you, you you can you can you can draw a lot of parallels and they look very familiar. And so I started looking at those types of products and started looking for other people who were interested in in doing something uh in the asset backed space. So some sort of an asset backed security that uh, maybe you look at securitizing a building or something like that. That was kind of my interest. And I just kind of tried to find people um, who had similar interests. At the same time, um, I had to work. So I started building. I worked with a company that manufactures um, uh, building products. So roof trusses, floor uh, systems, and wall systems. And I've been in that space for 10 years now, or almost 10 years. This is my 10th year. In the last few years, I've been Managing one of the businesses for this company, so I manage a company or a manufacturing facility that um, that builds roof systems and floor systems, and we can we can we can get wall systems as well. So that's what I've been doing a lot last little while. So I guess my interest at this point is trying to connect the interest in Islamic finance and the understanding of how securitized products work with um, real estate construction because now I have had an opportunity to look at. Um, let's say how a building is put together, a wood frame building is constructed and you probably want to see how, how you can maybe make an apartment building and securitize that and, and sell it off to some Muslim investors. I think that, that'd be interesting to me. So that's kind of where I'm at.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've, you know, seen some families manage different types of uh, REITs and, you know, real estate investment trusts and um, either doing flips on a, annual basis uh, and doing it more small scale uh, where either they'll purchase a a group of people will kind of create shares into uh, investment property uh, and they'll work on um, whether it's demolition or just fixing the place up and then selling it right away and whatever profit then goes back to those families and usually it's like a 60-40 split, either with the management company and the investors or vice versa. Um, but, you know, we have also tried looking into from AMCF's perspective, what are some other um, Sharia compliant investment opportunities, whether they're in the real estate process and if you're buying cap, then, you know, you don't need to go get a conventional loan and other things like that. Uh, so that's definitely an interesting intersection and something that uh, can continue to provide um, some people with the opportunity to grow their investments in a Sharia compliant way for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's chat a little bit more about like kind of your interest in philanthropy and some projects that you like to support and kind of what draws you to those projects. So if you can highlight... Uh, you know any of your favorite charities, or what kind of pulls you towards those causes?
1: Sure, um, my interest in philanthropy, and it, it really it, in the back of my mind, um, the reason why I I'm interested specifically in AMCF is because of the ability to put money away and put it to work, and for that to continue to work for a very very long time. So having the background in finance I understand the power of compounding let's say so if I put money money away compounding let's say four percent a year for a very very long time yeah it turns into a lot of money and Mm -hmm. the ability for you to do stuff with that becomes you know your ability to become impactful is is significant over a long period of time um and so that's kind of um what I'm what what really draws me to to AMCF um Things that I like to, um, well, yeah, I'll tell you what I like to invest in or where I like to put my money, and then I can kind of connect the two ideas here. Um, where I like putting my money is is in things that are scalable and things that have some impact and really then go anywhere. So one of my favorites right now is the World Food Program, because when I look at it, I can I can I can donate from an app on my phone, and I know that let's say a dollar ten Canadian will will get me a meal, so I will buy a meal. So I know if I give out $3.30 a day, I'm feeding somebody three meals a day, right? Um, And it's very scalable now. So I don't have to start with a lot of money. I can just give whatever I'm able to. I know what the impact of that is. But on the other side is also how much money I put away and put into a fund and, and allow to compound and give at the same time. So if I know that my money, I don't want my money, I don't want my capital to disappear. I want it to grow over time. And let's assume that um, it's invested and in returning at, let's say, eight percent a year. Four um, percent of that goes back to the pool to be reinvested, and four percent of the return goes to paying fees because you have to be able to support the um, the foundation and to giving. I don't have to have a huge base to start to give money away to be able to to, to provide uh, or to to you know to support. Uh, This cause, and if it compounds over a long, long period of time, then I can give more and more and more over that period of time. So that's why I kind of like that one because that's why I like the world. Well, it's one of the reasons why I like the World uh, Food Program because it's very easy to scale. And if I think if I connect that with what you're doing at AMCF, I can kind of put the money the money away. And even if I'm giving whatever it is the minimum, whatever the minimum is, I can give, uh, and I can continue to grow. And I think one of the things I, I once heard one of the one of the people out here in this community say, you know, I'd rather just give money now because I know what the impact is going to be. Um, and and so one of the things, one of the reasons why why I don't think that way is because I, one of the best examples I think um, in our tradition is Osman and Nafan. And everyone looks at these other communities and they got these big, you know, they got these mm-hmm. big funds you think althman ibn nafa' afan i mean his his waqf has been around for about 1400 years now he probably wasn't thinking that he'd be you know he would be supporting people 1400 years after his after his death but he is and, and if you think about what you have if you're able to compound I don't really think that he was thinking that his money would be compounding for that period. But if, if you're able to compound for that, that, for 100 years or 200 years, or let's say 1,000 years, think about how much money it's going to be from, you know, if you put away, let's call it $10,000, you put that away right now, what's that going to be hundreds of years from now? And how much giving are you going to be able to do? And you'll be able, if you do that, then your ability to be impactful uh, in the future is going to be far more than it is right now. Right, um, you're, right. So that's why that's what kind of draws me to it. That's why I'm interested in uh, in the fund. Great. Right. So I need you to succeed. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: That that has me thinking of you know long term sustainability and generational transfer of uh, power and knowledge and institution uh, tracking. So yeah, I mean, you know, there are nonprofits that have been around for you know 125 almost years longer than that in the United States, you know, American Red Cross being one of them, um, and several others that started around that time. Um, and then as far as Muslim institutions go, you know, there are definitely mosques that started close to a hundred years ago, I'd say, even in like Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and other communities, um, in Michigan. So, you know, our organizations do have that institutional and long term depth. Uh, but even from a professional standpoint, finding the people with the skill sets and the interest and ability to lead these institutions as well um, is very interesting from that standpoint. Um, do you serve on any nonprofit? organization boards or volunteer with any in your local community not not now
1: um i think the last one that i was on was there was a finance committee for the local mosque in london ontario okay Uh, i was serving on that during say the height of the pandemic so Uh, I think since then uh, I just haven't been as as involved because part of that is because I'm kind of living about five six hours away so I was always kind of calling in and then also some of that's because there's always a the turnaround in people and the priorities t- sort of change and maybe there are some th- certain things of interest to me that that we were working on that kind of changed as well so you get other people coming in with the different ideas um, and then and and so maybe they, they want to run things a certain way and then uh your involvement kind of gets curtailed a little bit so i mean yeah there's i, I have been involved uh when it makes you know when, when when i've been able to and i think most recently not not really the most recent but I, that that would give you a sense of you know maybe the last year or so i haven't been doing much but mm-hmm. i have always been interested in being involved yeah and certainly the mosque has been uh has been a place where i can uh, i've been putting in some time sure can, yeah
0: uh, and then in regards to uh, other organizations, so you shared about World Food Program, are there yeah. others that kind of pique your interest in terms of, you know, maybe it's basic needs or education or international relief type of organizations?
1: Um, th- the ones that have always been, let's say, handy, the ones that have been closest to have been, um, UNICEF I've had for a long time, that's another excuse you know um the local mosque of course you kind of you support your local mosques um I've had uh, children international for quite a while as well so I've had it had more than one child that I've sponsored through that um but that Islamic relief is another one where, where you know uh, I I wouldn't say I'm I'm as consistent with that one it's sort of sort of opportunity it's when something arises and it makes sense I've kind of gone through them so that gives you an idea where I've kind of i would have supported, um, but yeah, it's a sort of community first, I guess, and then I kind of got growth thing. Uh, grown over the years to kind of support a little bit of uh, some of the other ones. I I really like the international ones, um, UNICEF and World Food Programme have been two of the ones like I I really like. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah,
0: definitely can see the longevity and impact of those organizations as well. Um, right. And then even with Islamic Relief, at least in the U.S., over 25 years and probably similar in Canada um, yeah. and just great institution working on behalf of the community and so many projects across the world um, from education to healthcare care to um, so many different programs to uplift communities out of poverty and um, So definitely all great things that, that you're supporting. Um, with, uh, now respect to the donor advice fund, like you talked a lot about the compounding and putting away money and having it work for you. Um, you know, I remember receiving your, your email and like, you know, somebody in Canada wanting to work with our organization, I was, you know, a bit not shocked or surprised but like kind of like wow this is beyond the scope that like i had even thought of when Mm -hmm. starting this organization right because we're very um u.s focused uh, but my assumption is that you didn't find anything similar in canada but wanted to still support causes uh and since you had spent time in the u.s maybe support even some u.s based charities as well. Um, So walk us through a little bit of like the process of uh, doing your own research and then kind of approaching AMCF. Sure. Um,
1: We're actually trying to do something similar here in London, Ontario. Um, And so uh, I've worked with a number of folks here who was kind of doing the, you know, the initial research and kind of trying to figure out how to do our own sort of community foundation uh, here in london um and that's one of the things that we were working on when i was on the the finance committee at the mosque um but you know things kind of you know they take their time it's not easy to get something like this off the ground um and and i i came across amcf while we were doing our research and in the back of my mind i was thinking you know this is something that i want to do because i don't i don't know how long i'm going to be around so um, I can continue to help and work uh, with the folks over here to try and get it off the ground, and it could take a while. Uh, but I could and also, this is another opportunity uh, in the U.S., I can also put my money to work there now. I don't have to wait. The only difference is you know there's some tax implications, but it's not really a big deal if you think of it. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. And the question is, what do you want to achieve? And if paying a little bit of taxes is going to stop you from doing what you want to achieve, well, then it's not that important to you. So um so yeah it's not a big deal taxes aren't a big deal um and i can still support a lot of the causes that i mentioned through amcf so it's kind of a no-brainer no-brainer for me uh it just it just makes sense it's the right vehicle for me um hopefully it will have the the longevity and um it'll help me achieve what i'm looking to achieve and i still can support the people over here as well yeah
0: for sure and I would say that's very forward thinking of you and the organization that wanted to kind of start this. It definitely takes a lot of infrastructure, takes a lot of support, takes a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears. Um, but I'm grateful that you know you reached out when you did and uh, connected with us. Um, in in your kind of setting up the donor advised fund, are you hoping to support mainly US-based charities um, or are you hoping to still do some grants internationally to charities as well, either in Canada or some others that are registered?
1: Well, I mean, going back to some of the names that I mentioned so if you talk about the World Food Program or UNICEF or Islamic Relief I mean it doesn't matter whether I go through I do them here in Canada or I do them in the U.S. it's I'm still supporting the same causes right so um you know it's it, it, I'm I I am achieving my goal right um if there are certain certain uh, institutions in the U.S. that I decide I want to uh, support Sure, I could do that through AMCF. That's not a problem. Or I could do it directly. I mean, um, but but just the for me again, it's the vehicle um, that you created. It's the ability for that to go on for a long period of time and still support the causes that I care about. I mean, they, they, this it, it works. So that's why that's why it's a good fit for me. At least I, I think it's a great fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are some of your goals with your philanthropy, like, of course, you know, if it's setting up annual distributions and kind of letting that continue to to grow over the next, you know, 30, 40 years, inshallah, and then naming either beneficiaries of uh, support or ongoing support. uh, I think that's one of the good use cases of a donor advised fund is that succession planning and ability to pair it with a will or a state plan, um, so that when we do pass, your charitable giving can be given through your donor advised fund. Um, You know, share a little bit more on the goals that you have with with your DAF and kind of what you see it doing uh, later. Sure.
1: So it, I guess it kind of depends on how, how big it gets, right? So how much I'm able to contribute. So if it gets to a certain point and the fund can kind of be standalone uh, at AMCF, well, then there's a little bit more that I could that I could do to sort of direct where that money goes. Um, if it doesn't get as big as, uh, it, if it doesn't get that big, it still gets, my understanding, is it gets rolled into the sort of general fund at AMCF. And, uh, and really, I think because The foundation's values sort of align with my own. I'm not so picky as to where the money is going to go. The only thing that I care about at that point is that it continues. The money continues continues to be reinvested, and some of that money goes to work. So, so like in the community, right? So, if that's if that continues to happen, and and AMCF um, goes on for a very long time doing this work, then essentially I'm achieving what I want to achieve. So, I'm not not too picky.
0: That's great. I I need to find like hundreds of other people that think exactly like you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think you'll find them up here, inshallah. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, It's it's not not hard to find us, I think.
0: For sure. And, you know, I think with AMCF, like, you know, we set up a rapid response fund for the wildfires that happened in Maui, for instance, so we were able to send fifty-five thousand dollars to different charities in Hawaii, uh, mm-hmm. response to that. We were able to do a collaborative fund for Palestine, where we've already sent over hundred thousand dollars to humanitarian organizations uh, helping in Palestine, and then also uh, advocacy organizations uh, that are, you know, power-building movements to connect and other institutions and also call for a ceasefire from our uh, leaders in in government Um, so a lot of good things happening from the organizational standpoint Um, but i think a lot of families also utilize their donor advised fund to Send money to charities that they care about primarily. And that's probably 90 to 95% of the families we work with are sending distributions in Ramadan at the end of the year, primarily to causes that they know they want to support. And then maybe 5 to 10% of the families are more in your category where they have the funds in, they are investing it. And occasionally they'll say, I want to support this, but I'm really holding it long term uh, Mm -hmm. and want AMCF's guidance on where these funds could go. What are important causes that are upcoming or on the corner that you know about that align with things that I've supported in the past? Um, So we're thankful to both types of families that work with us. And now we're, we're over 170 families. Uh, mm-hmm. that work with AMCF, and uh, they've distributed over $11 million to more than 800 charities. Um, so it's definitely being part of that trajectory and that story is hopefully something that the Donor Advice Fund families also appreciate and want to be part of that collective power as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 great to be a part of a community like this. Um and I'm kind of looking forward to see how 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 much this is going to grow. Because I think you you might be underestimating the number of people who are interested. It's just that people have to grasp the power of what what can be done in you know, in the foundation, right? And once I think people get yeah. a, a good feel for what can be
0: done, uh they'll 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 kind of pile in, I think. For sure. And you know, that's our Mandate is like scaling this effort, really turning over every stone that we can to talk to people, to inform them about what we do, what donor advised funds are, the benefits of it all. Um, And, you know, we're also growing the number of endowments that we have. Uh, So I think we have 17 set up as well. Uh, where nonprofit organizations are looking to invest their principal uh, assets and allow that to continue to grow and provide their organization with additional sustainability. Mm -hmm. Um, And between the donor advised funds and the endowments, we have about $8.5 million of assets under management. Um, So, you know, slowly but surely growing. Uh, 2023 was a, a year of growth for us. Um, and looking forward to build on that momentum in 2024 as well.
1: Okay. Well, uh, sorry, i got a quick interruption here.
0: No worries. So, uh, any last comments that you want to share with us in terms of, um, you know, what you believe in, in AMCF and your philanthropy and your vision of kind of the difference that you want to see.
1: Um, well, I would say at first, I'd say, I say I thank you for the work that you're doing because it's really important, uh, and it takes a lot of we'll say, blood, sweat, and tears, let's say, to get to where you you are at. So, congratulations on the work that you've already done, um, and inshallah, you know, I look forward to seeing you, you know, continue for for many many years to come. Um, it's a very important service that you're providing. Uh, it's really important work that's being done. Um and for people like me who can see the value, um, you know, it, it's definitely a place where we might like, like some where I would want to be putting my money. Um, and, and 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 hopefully it will last for a very, very long time. So the the more successful AMCF is, the happier I will be. If there's anything that I can do myself to kind of help, um, I gladly, you know, contribute whatever I can um and and if that means just kind of telling people around me and my circle up here in canada that you know there's this opportunity south of uh, south of the border then uh for sure i'd be happy to do so so it's a great cause and uh i'm a big fan so you know congratulations on the work that you've done inshallah you'll you'll continue to do uh even better inshallah
0: inshallah i mean thank you so much i appreciate getting a chance to know you a little bit better uh, and share with our listeners about what inspires you to have a donor-advised fund Uh, and continue this work and inshallah we will be there to support the causes that you want to support and continue to grow in the process as well awesome thank you so much
1: well thanks for having me on thanks